0: Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I agree with Joel and Jerry. It was great to hear you guys sing today. Um, Pastors are always a little nervous when you kind of have a relaunch or something new happening. And today we were launching two services and just watching what the crowds have been. I was kind of thinking to myself on the drive here, uh, do we have enough people for two services? What's this going to be like? What's first service going to look like? I was a little nervous. And then the Lord kind of reminded me, That my audience is only one this morning. And uh, for those of us that were up here on stage singing, they had an audience of one. And I reminded them of that this morning because the Lord reminded me. But it's great to hear you guys sing uh, and sing to our King. So thanks for being here. Uh, My name is Steve Wallen. I'm the executive pastor here at Genesis Church. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, It's a big week in our country It's election week, and this week we go to the polls, and finally, hopefully, we'll learn who's going to lead our country for the next four years, hopefully, uh, and who's going to lead our state, and who's going to represent us in Congress, and some of us are going to be elated by what we learn, and some of us are going to be deflated by what we learn, and there's been a lot of talk on both sides of the potential for interference, uh, for fraud, for even violence, before, during, and after the votes are cast, and for most of us, for the 95% of us, we just want to see a peaceful transfer of power or a peaceful remainder of power, whatever happens, right? Most of us are just kind of like, we just want this to be normal. Don't we just all long for something normal in our lives? And, but who would have thought that in an abnormal year, we might have an abnormal election? Um, but because of all that, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. There's a lot of uncertainty in our country, but one thing is certain, and that's that when all the votes are cast and all the leaders are chosen and everybody is in their places of power, we're all gonna have to live together again. (laughs) And uh, national politics is a great reminder of how important it was that Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And so with all that happening, we just wanted to take a moment here at the beginning of our service and pray, and pray for unity in our body and in our country. And so uh, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for overcoming the world. Uh, because of that, we can experience unity with you, and because of our unity with you, we can be unified with one another. It's by all things, Scripture says, that, uh, by you that all things are held together. We can experience uh, greater unity together because you hold things together. As we seek to center our lives around you, I pray that you would help us to see all the ways that you are at work in the world. Draw us closer to your heart, Lord, so that we can begin to see each other the way that you see us. Jesus, would you encourage us to look out not only for our interests but for the interest of others. Uh, we want your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And so unite us in purpose so that nothing that keeps people searching for you from finding you and finding their way back to you and believing in you. May we experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent us and that you love them unconditionally. Come, Lord Jesus, come and do what you can only do in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, open them to Matthew chapter six, uh, Matthew six. We're gonna spend six weeks in this one chapter of scripture. And uh, I wanna tell you, as we start this summer, I only had three goals going into this summer. One, I wanted to read the entire New Testament again in, in the summer. Number two, I wanted to get back into running shape And number three was to learn to play the piano. Those are my three goals this summer. Number one, uh, read through the New Testament in 90 days. Check, that was easy. 90 days is a pretty leisurely pace to read through the New Testament. And so if you want to do that, you could do it too. Uh, Get back into running shape. Number two, check, did it again. Uh, Over the summer, I ran 461 miles. Over the three months in the process, I took about a minute per mile off my time. So I was very thrilled by that. But number three, though, play the piano. Well, that never really got off the ground for me. Honestly, I started with good intentions. Uh, I bought a book. I put the book at the piano. I sat down and played it once, and uh, I still didn't learn. I couldn't believe that. I got some YouTube videos and started watching those, and I would sit down and start to practice. And, but it, when it came right down to it, I just struggled with the act of practicing, like of sitting down at the piano and actually playing the keys and watching the videos and doing what the people said. Uh, what about you? Do you have a skill you'd like to learn? Maybe there's something you thought about for a long time. Maybe for you it's a, it's an instrument. You'd love to learn to play guitar or play piano or play the drums or something like that. Maybe it's it's a sport, something that you've been involved with for a while and you'd really like to go to the next level. You'd like to play in a rec league or you want to get a scholarship or you want to play for your school's varsity team. Or maybe it's cooking. You know, for some of you, you'd love to learn to be a master chef or maybe you'd want to take it to have your own little side hustle where you're selling food or, Uh, Maybe you just want to learn some of the recipes that your grandma, that your mom had. Or maybe for some of you, you just want to learn to cook so that you don't set off the smoke detector when you're making dinner for your family, right? Uh, You're going to have to laugh a little louder. I can't hear you through your masks. Um, Here's what I think I realized during this whole thing, trying to learn these new things. Books and videos and other tools are great if you're trying to learn something simple Uh, something easy. Uh, But when it comes to learning something that's pretty complex or pretty important, uh, you really need a coach, right? You need an expert. You need someone who knows how to do it who can also teach you how to do it really well. We all have skills or abilities we wish we had, and Jesus' disciples were no exception. Uh, I'm thinking about the day they went to Jesus and they asked him to teach him. They asked him to teach them something. This is what they asked in Luke 11.1. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, it's fascinating when you think about this. Of all the things that they had seen Jesus do that they could have asked him to teach them, this is what they asked. They didn't ask Jesus, teach us to preach. That's what I would have asked if I were there. I know if some of you, you would have asked that too. Jesus, teach Steve to preach, right? Uh, They didn't ask Jesus, teach us how to walk on water. That would have been cool, right? That's a neat trick to show off to your friends. They didn't even ask, Jesus, teach us how to raise the dead. You know, don't we all have somebody that we wish wasn't gone from our lives. That would be a great thing to learn. But what they said was, Lord, teach us to pray. See, there was something about Jesus and his prayer life that the disciples must have realized that his ability to make decisions and the way he loved people and even his deep connection with God was somehow related to his ability to pray. They knew that his prayer life was a vital part of his life. And because they wanted to be like him and he was their model, they knew that 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 meant learning to pray uh, the way he prayed was going to have an uh, an incredible impact on the way they live their lives. Tim Keller, who's a former pastor and an outstanding author, wrote this. He said, prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. We must learn to pray. We have to. In other words, he says prayer is crucial, like it's critical As followers of Jesus, you know he's our model in all things. And prayer may be one of the most important or the most important thing that Jesus did in his life. It was foundational to the way he lived and foundational in his relationship with his heavenly father. And so the disciples saw this, they knew this. They they saw how it impacted his life and they understood that they needed to learn to pray. And well, you and I need that too. Now you may think, well, I already know how to pray, but maybe you need to learn to pray more or maybe you need to learn to pray better. You know, as a runner, there's kind of a well-known saying in uh, among runners, and that's that inevitably when you get injured, you end up going to the physical therapist, and the physical therapist will inevitably ask you this question. Do you stretch? And if you're a runner, you know what you're supposed to say. Uh, the answer is yes, but unless you want to lie to your physical therapist, you have to come up with something else to say, right? And so... Uh, You don't want to tell them no, because if you tell them no, that means you know what you're supposed to do, but you don't ever do it. So that's a bad answer. You don't want to tell them yes unless you're a pathological liar. So you have to come up with something to tell them. And so the correct answer as a runner when your physical therapist asks you, do you stretch, is not as much as I should, right? Because that says that you know I'm supposed to stretch, and occasionally, maybe I stretch, but I know I'm also supposed to stretch more. Well, I think prayer is a lot the same way. Like, if I came up to you and asked, Do you pray? You might say, Not as much as I should, because we all need to learn to pray more. And so, this is one of the things I think we can learn from Jesus. But we struggle. I mean, all of us, including me, we struggle to develop a healthy, meaningful prayer life because, well, prayer can be encouraging. But it can also be tough. It can be confusing. It can be frustrating, and for a lot of different reasons. For some of us, we just don't know where to start. Like, how how do I actually sit down at the piano and play? You know, how do I actually sit down and pray to God? Maybe you aren't sure that you're doing it right. Maybe you start praying, and before you know it, you're asleep, or you're distracted by a text, or you're distracted by a kid. Or you try it, and you get discouraged, and sometimes you wonder, like, what's the point? Is anybody really hearing these prayers? I don't ever feel like they're being answered. Well, let's let it be an encouragement to us that the disciples needed to learn this too. They still didn't have it all figured out. And they walked with Jesus for three and a half, three and three quarter years. And they were by his side day and night and they heard him pray over and over again. But they still had to ask him, Jesus, teach us to pray. And because I'm so hard headed, I'm believing they had to ask him more than once uh, because I think I would have. And I can just imagine Jesus being so gracious and so kind with them being so patient and taking the time to teach them and model for them, not just how important prayer is, but how simple it can be and how life-giving it can be. And so the good news for us today is that just like the disciples, we have a coach. We have a teacher too in Jesus. Jesus taught the disciples to pray and he can teach us too. And so here's what he says in Matthew 6. If you've got your Bible open there, we're gonna start with verse nine. Jesus tells him this, this then is how you should pray. And then Jesus taught them a prayer that followers of Jesus have recited and used as a model for prayer ever since then. And for the last 2,000 years, the words that Jesus taught them have been spoken uh, probably more than any other words in the English language. And if you, you probably know this prayer as the Lord's Prayer, or if you grew up in a Catholic church, maybe you know it as the Our Father. But think about that. These words have probably been said more than any other words in the history of civilization So you've probably are familiar with it, but we'll start with Matthew 6, nine. It says this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then you may have added your scripture, your, your Bible may say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. And I read an article this week about why this last phrase is sometimes included in some translations and sometimes not in others. It was three pages long and it was fascinating, but it has absolutely nothing to do with what we're gonna talk about today. So if you want, I can refer you to that. Um, But one of the beautiful things about the Lord's Prayer is that it can serve as a model for us as to how we pray. And so if you've ever wondered how to pray or how to start, how to log in, Right? how to get going, what to say, and how to wrap up, the Lord's Prayer can serve as a model and a pattern for us to follow. And so today we're beginning the series. It's called What to Say When You Pray. We're gonna spend the next six weeks studying this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and over the next six weeks, we're gonna learn how to pray by diving into these few lines that Jesus used to teach his followers how to pray. Over the six weeks, we're gonna learn a number of different things about prayer. I'm gonna challenge you to pray on your own every day, I'm gonna challenge you to pray on your own every day, even for a couple of minutes. We're, we're gonna pray together in all of our services. We're gonna give you some prayers that we're asking everyone at Genesis Church to pray. Uh, and I'll talk about that more before we dismiss today. But for today, for this morning, our for purposes, I'm just gonna focus on the very first line of that prayer. And it's this one, uh, Matthew 6, 9 says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And now when you read this, there's probably one word that sticks out to you. And if you're watching this online or if you're here in the room, you see it because I I cheated and highlighted it for you in yellow, Uh, but it's the word father. Whether it's for good or bad, that word probably sticks out to you when you read it. And we can mistakenly think that Jesus prays this way, our father, because he sees God as his father. But remember, Jesus told his followers, this is how you should pray, that you should pray like God, is your father. And I know that for some of you, when you hear that, you immediately shut down because maybe your father was mean or abusive. Uh, Maybe he was distant. Maybe he walked out on you or you never knew him at all. And so if that's your image of God as the father, I wanna give you permission today to just let go of that. I mean, if your image of God as a father comes from your messed up earthly father. I I do. I just want to invite you to let go of that this morning. And and here's why. Pete Grigg is an author who writes and teaches about prayer. And here's what he says. He says, the way we view God affects everything about everything. Now, I just want you to see, this isn't just about prayer, but can you see how the way that we view God is going to affect the way that we pray to him? And I think one of the reasons so many of us struggle with prayer is that we don't think about God the right way. And So if you see God as a grumpy, emotional, easily offended God, can you see how that's gonna impact the way that you pray? Or or maybe you've made some poor choices or you have some destructive habits in your life and you think of God as just waiting to catch you in the act so that he can smite you. You can see how that's gonna affect your prayers to him, right? It's gonna cause a lot of guilt and shame. And I think that's why Jesus's prayer is so important for us because in teaching us to pray, Father... Jesus is showing us an entirely different way to view God, the God that we pray to. Now, behind the word, the Greek word, that's translated father in our scriptures is a Hebrew word, and that Hebrew word is the word Abba. And it really was used to express special affection that children have for a loving father. Now, Abba is like the Swedish band, but it's a different for a different reason. It means daddy or dearest father. Now, my girls don't usually call me daddy anymore. I don't know dads in the room if your kids call you daddy or maybe they call you something else, but uh, my girls don't call me that anymore unless they want something. Uh, but when they do, it melts my heart, right? It's a term of endearment. It, it shows how they feel about me. And if you could change your mind from uh, your, your attitude about God from a grumpy, emotional, vengeful, abusive, or absent father to Your loving daddy who loves you and cares about you and cares about every aspect of your life. I mean, don't you see how that would affect how you pray to him? I mean, think about that. For my kids, I care about everything in their lives. I care about how they did on their test today. I care about the stuff that's going on with their friends. I care about everything. And it's hard for us to see God as caring about those things in our life. And so it would definitely change the way you pray, right? Of course it would. Because prayer is not just a transaction, prayer is about a relationship. When I pray, I'm not just checking in with my daily list of needs and wants. Now, God is more than interested in your needs and your wants and our desires, so be encouraged by that. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks, but right from the start, we have to recognize that prayer is primarily about cultivating a relationship with God. And when you think about it like that, prayer is really as simple as a conversation with the God of the universe. And because prayer is about a relationship, our image of God is how he wants us to relate to him, and it affects everything about how we pray. So keep this in mind as you pray. Jesus wants us to think about God as a good father, a loving daddy who genuinely loves his children. But there's something else that can affect us as we pray. As easy as it is to see God as this grumpy, irritable God who doesn't want to be bothered, it's also easy to see him as this like far off distant God, this creator God that's so powerful and so big and so far out there that he can't possibly be interested in the things that I'm interested in. Like he can't possibly see the things that are happening in my life. But, but I want you to know that in the original language, the word for heaven that's used in this, our father in heaven, that original word is actually plural, So it could read, easily read, our Father in the heavens. So what that means for us is that while God is definitely out there, he can also be like down here. Like he's not just far away, but he's as present as we can imagine. That the fact that he is in the heavens doesn't exclude him from being here. He's present in this room and in your car and beside you in your favorite chair. God is not far away. He's not distant. He is near. He is always with us. And so in the first few words of this prayer, Jesus is trying to help us understand how relational prayer is and how prayer is nothing more than a conversation with God. And the way we see God, the way we view him matters in our prayers. It impacts the way we come to him and talk to him and trust him. So how would your prayers change if you viewed God as your loving daddy, a good, loving, faithful father? One of the books that we're using as we prepare this series is this little book by N.T. Wright. It's called, The Lord and His Prayer. If if this is a a matter of interest to you, you wanna study more about this, this is a great resource because it's uh, super helpful, easy to read. Here's what N.T. Wright, great theologian says about uh, this. He says, we want the living God. We want to know him. We want to love him. We want to be able to truly call him father. In a sense, therefore, the first words of the Lord's Prayer represent the goal toward which we are working, the goal towards which we are working. So if you can't immediately see God as your loving heavenly father, maybe that's a good goal for you to work towards this week. He says it's a goal for which we are working rather than a starting point from which we set out. If you really have trouble relating to God as a loving father, that's that's my goal for you this week, to start working towards that, to start saying, how would my prayers change if that's the way I viewed God? I wanna look at the the second part of this line though. Uh, Jesus says, Matthew 6, 9, our father in heaven. So the relationship we have with God is a starting point for prayer. But then he continues this, hallowed be your name. And hallowed is a word that we don't use much in the English language anymore. It's not hallowed, like something is empty on the inside. It means to be declared holy or to be set apart. And this is interesting because when Jesus walked the earth, the name and the person were so tightly connected that they couldn't be separated from one another. In fact, in Hebrew culture, they wouldn't even write the the name of God that they called him. They called him Yahweh. But in their scriptures, they wouldn't even write out the whole name because he was so holy and so set apart that they they believed that that was sinful to do. That was not appropriate to do. And so they would abbreviate it instead. Why? Because he was hallowed. He was holy. He was set apart. And in Hebrew culture, someone's name had everything to do with who they are. And so what we see in the Bible many times is that when someone goes through a milestone event in their life, God will actually change their name to match their new identity, right? We see that with Abram when he becomes Abraham. Uh, We see it with Jacob when he becomes Israel. We see it with Cephas in the New Testament when he becomes Peter. And you can probably think of others as well. And so the name is important. So it's important for us to recognize who God is when it, we come to him in prayer because it changes our perspective. See, we've been told time and time again how much God loves us. And we've been told again and again how much he wants to use us and how much he wants to give us. And while those things are true, it's a great relief to know that at the end of the day that, that God is holy and I'm not he is God, and I'm not, and he's a big deal, and I'm not that big of a deal, and you aren't either, and our time on earth will come and go, but our God is holy, and he is the beginning and the end. He is above all things. I mean, maybe you're like me when I come to God asking for the stuff I need or want. That's kind of my primary purpose in prayer. Anybody else like that? Like when you come to God, that's what I want to pray about. Somebody texts me and says, hey, be praying about this. I will immediately go, God, they're asking for this. I'm asking for it too, right? That's the first thing I say. Uh, But that's not where we're supposed to start. When we instead start by remembering these two things about God, that he is our loving father, our daddy, and he is holy, it can really change our perspective in prayer. And I want to show you why that's important. Um, I've got a quarter in my hand. Maybe you've got something small that you can take out and just use for this illustration. I've got a quarter and uh, I want you to think about this as like one of your problems. Maybe this is a a problem you have. Maybe it's fear or worry about getting sick or someone close to me getting sick. Maybe it's anxiety about losing my job or about finding a job or maybe this problem is a relationship that's struggling or maybe it's worries about money or my future. Now, this quarter is really small compared to the environment it's in, right? If I look at it in just in the space of this room, it's a really, really small thing, but it still represents a problem I have. Now, but see if you can relate to this. Sometimes I get consumed by my problems. And so I keep thinking about my problem. I keep worrying about my problem. I keep obsessing over my problem and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually it's the only thing I can see, right? And this is annoying, and it's troublesome, but it would be okay, except the thing is, this isn't the only problem I have, right? (laughs) I have other problems in my life, and when I keep thinking about them, and worrying about them, and obsessing about them, before long, I have completely lost my ability to see anything else except my problems. I've completely lost all perspective. But when I remember that I have a God who is my loving Father, and cares about me, cares about every aspect of my life, and he's he's holy, he's hallowed, he's like big enough to do something about it. He's big enough to to fix this if I ask him to, right? Our problems start to take on their proper perspective in our lives. So instead of asking questions like "Where is God in all of this?" and "I can't see God, I can't see a way out of this situation," uh, maybe you've said those things in the past maybe you found yourself in that situation the problems as our perspective shifts they start to get smaller and smaller and smaller again and we focus our attention on how awesome and holy and set apart God is and how much he loves us because he's our loving father he's our good daddy and we lay down our burdens as we exalt his holy name and while the problems are still there they don't look nearly as big when we look at them with the proper perspective they just aren't that big compared to our holy set apart God who loves us and cares about us. You know, a little faith in a holy set apart God, like God, is a lot better than a lot of faith in a little tiny God like me or like you. And Jesus knew that that's the place that we need to start. And so that's how he taught us to pray. I wanna show you one way that I pray. And this isn't uh, scripture. This isn't maybe how you need to pray but maybe it'll be helpful to some of you. I've got this prayer journal and this prayer journal is not my primary way that I pray. I wish it were. I know some of you write down every prayer that you have and you have a record of every prayer. Maybe you've got a prayer journal for every year for the last 25 years of your life. And I'm so jealous if that's you, but I've got to tell you, this prayer journal right now is five years old and I'm about halfway through it. And so I have not written down every prayer that I've ever prayed, but in my prayer journal, I keep these little cards. These are little note cards and everyone has somebody's name at the top and some things that I've been praying for those people. These cards right here happen to be from my two girls, Grace and Audrey. And then I've got a prayer card right here for people in my life that don't know Jesus. And when I open up my prayer journal. Um, if I had written it back you know, 10 pages ago, I'd have to go back and find it every time. But because I've got these cards, sometimes they just fall out. <laughs> and then I'm reminded to pray for those people. Uh, I always open my journal to the page where those cards are. And so as I sit down to pray, I can take out those cards and then I can start with what we just talked about. Oh, Father, Heavenly Father, you're good. I know you love me. I know you care about the things in my life. And I know you're holy, you're set apart, you're powerful. Now, because of that, let me ask you for some of the things I've been praying for these people in my life. Now, I wish I was perfect at this, but I'm not. But when I'm getting it right, and when I'm patient enough, when I'm not in a hurry, I just can call God Father and sit in his presence and think about what he wants me to think about. Think about what he wants me to pray for. Think about how I'm his son. Think about how I belong to him and my life is secured in him and I'm part of his family. And then the very fact that he's holy means that there's no problem, no issue, no fear, no need that is too big for him to handle. And because he's my father, he cares. And because he's a perfect father, he listens. And because he's all powerful, ruler over everything in this world, he can answer prayer. He can provide for my needs. He has everything I need. Can you see how right thinking about who God is can change the way that you pray? Jesus knew what he was doing. Thinking about God as father is gonna impact the way that you pray. Now, because he is our father, let me give you three quick tips, that things we can do as we start to wrap up here. Three quick tips when you pray of what you can do. Number one is this, you can pray with confidence. Like he's the perfect father that none of us ever had. Even if you had a great father who you love and you have a great relationship with, I'm guessing he wasn't perfect. And you can think back to something that he did or something that he said that you go, "Mm, that wasn't quite right. But our God is a perfect father. He's patient. He's kind, he listens, he enjoys us. What does it mean to you that you serve a God that not only loves you, but he likes you? Like he finds joy in you. He enjoys being with you. It brings him great joy to answer our prayers. You can pray with confidence that he hears you and he cares about those things. The second thing is this, you can come messy. I don't know how many times I talk to people that think, once I get my life cleaned up, I'm gonna come back to God. (laughs) Now, Paul Miller wrote this great book called A Praying Life, and we've talked about it before. Many of you have read it. We did a whole series on it a couple of years ago. But, but consider this. Uh, he, Paul says that we can come as we are. Now, Jesus didn't say, come to me all you have learned to concentrate in prayer. You know, All of you who have learned to pay attention and have whose minds don't wander. And if that's you, I'll give you my attention. He didn't say that. What did he say? He said, come to me all you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. You know, that's our prerequisite. What's our criteria for coming to Jesus? It's weariness. It's being overwhelmed. It's being worn out and burnout and depressed and stressed and hopeless. It's messy. We can come messy. And then one more, when you pray, you can keep it simple. You know, God doesn't expect us to speak a different language. He's not Looking for us to use big words we don't mean uh, or don't understand or don't know how to spell. Remember, prayer is a conversation. It's, it's a conversation between you and God. And so you wouldn't want to use words that you wouldn't use in a normal everyday conversation. You can be simple, you can be direct, you can be honest. He enjoys you. Let's do it. Church family, let's kids, students, adults, let's learn how to pray. Our whole church family. I want to invite you to do a couple things. One, I want to invite you to come back every weekend of this series. If you can't be here in person, uh, watch us online. You can do that at 10.30 every Sunday morning. I want to invite you to spend a couple of minutes in prayer every day. And if you don't know what to pray for, maybe you don't have anything to pray for, maybe it's just as simple as sitting down and starting with the word Father. And you just sit and listen. And you hear what he has to say. And then maybe eventually you get up enough courage to ask for something that that he's been prompting you to ask for. And then let's do this. Um, We've got four prayers that we want you to be praying for our church. I'm gonna ask everybody to take these, either uh, take the paper with you. These are at the info hub, or you can find them online. They're at genesischurch.me. I think they're on the What's Happening page there. They're on the Genesis app, wherever you get them. Would you take these with you And every day? Would you just pray your way through these four prayers for our church? We're gonna pray that God would ignite a passion in each of us for helping people find their way back to God. We're gonna pray that God would give us wisdom to discern his will for Genesis Church, that God would help us to abide and obey with courage and boldness. You know, I'm convinced there's two things that this world needs from the church right now. It needs courage and compassion. And I think we can be the givers of that. And then the fourth prayer is we wanna teach people to have compassion, to love and serve each other as well. Will you take one of these with you and pray this over the next four weeks? Let's pray together. We're gonna take a couple minutes here. We'll pray together and then I'm gonna give you a moment to pray on your own. God, I'm so thankful for the reminder today that you are our heavenly father. I'm thankful that you love us and you care about us, that you see us and that you see our needs, you see our desires, and that you want to hear those things from us. That you're not like any of our fathers, that you are a perfect, loving father, a good daddy who cares about the things that are happening in our lives and the things that we care about. Lord, as we pray to you, we just are reminded of that. And Father, I'm reminded again of your power and your holiness and your sovereignty over all things that you are a, big God, a powerful God, that you have more powerful than any of the problems that we have in our lives, that you have already overcome the world. And because of that, we can look to you for answers to our problems. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being a perfect father. Thank you for putting up with and loving and liking your messy children. as your heads are bowed, I just want to give you a minute to pray on your own you can pray about anything that God's been prompting you to pray about. You can pray about anything that's happening in your life. You can take this moment and take your problems and just hand them up to him. Just give them to him. Just do that on your own for a moment. Heavenly Father, you're a good God. And I'm thankful for this morning. I'm thankful for the reminder that we can come to you as a loving father. And because of your power and your presence today, we can can overcome any obstacle that we have in our life because you have overcome the world. Thank you for that reminder today. Lord, I lift up all the prayers in this room right now to you. I pray that you've heard them, that you're encouraged by the fact that we're asking and we're giving you the desires of our heart. And Lord, I pray for revelation for people in this room, that they would hear you clearly, that they would see you in a new way this week. and They would be encouraged by their prayers to you. Father, we pray all of this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.